Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 236 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a recognized expert on customizing web analytics and tag management solutions to improve the entire life cycle of data collection, processing, and reporting. His main areas of expertise lie with Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager, and Google has appointed him as a Google developer expert in these fields. He is also a partner and co-founder at 8BitSheep, a prolific blogger, and an experienced conference speaker. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Simo Hava. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our talk. Simo, one thing that obviously from that introduction, which is quite brief, um, your company 8BitSheep, could you perhaps tell us how that name came about? <laughs> so the name is a hat tip to the famed science fiction author Philip K. Dick, who um, wrote the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which serves as the background, for example, for the Blade Runner movie franchise. Yes. The name was originally adopted by our our first founder, Sami. Um, it was his tagline for a long time. And uh, we just thought that it was kind of a fun and enigmatic company name. So we just kept it. And there's no bigger symbolic meaning behind it, except that it seems to raise enough interest when people, every time I mention my company, they want to know where the name came from. So I think yes. it's a good good icebreaker in that way. Indeed, exactly, yeah. And in terms of your expertise and your sort of specialist area, it's, it's data presumably is your main concern. Um, obviously, you're very much focused on Google Analytics and Tag Manager, but is it data? I would say yes, um, to the extent that it coincides with developer work or software development or service development. So I, I these days, I've for a long time, actually, I've considered myself to be a developer first and an analyst or, or data nerd or whatever you want to call it next. I definitely consider myself to be just a, a developer, um, building things, solving problems with code and computing. But data, for one reason or other, and other, other just seems to be the thing that I'm just always revolving around, figuring out how to collect data, how to use data in, in efficient and responsible ways and helping clients make the most of their data that they produce in their organizations. Presumably you didn't start out as a data analyst. No. Well, it depends on what you mean when starting out. Um, originally, I, I was actually looking forward to a career in academics. Linguistics is my major and, and the one that I got my master's degree in. And I was firmly on the path to becoming a doctoral student studying language and syntax. But um, Part of that academic research was building like a corpus of spoken English or spoken language uh, recordings and annotating them and just building kind of a search engine around that. And that whole process was fascinating to me. And since my early teens, I've been always had this little computer nerd <laughs> building within me. And I've always um, dabbled with, I built my first website when I was 13 in, in 97. And since then, I've kind of always found the power of creation and being able to create things um, by a computer and how how many things you can do with it. So even when I was so focused on this kind of 
humanist or, or arts research, I always had the fire of, of, you know, computing and programming within me. In a way, my, my start had nothing to do with computing, but also had everything to do with computing because that was, it was a hobby back then. And then at some point I decided that, hey, by the way, I really love this hobby. Why not try to make a profession out of it? Yeah. We're going to come back to that a bit later. But um, for now, can you perhaps share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not know and perhaps should? For me, if I had to give a tip to anyone, which I hope I never get to a point that I actually am in that position, but I've always found the best thing you can do for your career is find a community around some topic that you are proficient in or you want to become proficient in. So find a group of like-minded people who are also working on that. For example, it could be open source communities. It could be customer support. It could be help communities around a specific product or tool. And then start helping others out with their problems. Share your tips, guide people who are just getting started and be really proactive and and helpful in your manner because there, there are two outcomes to this. Um, the first one is obviously you'll gain reputation for being altruistic and, and reputation, that kind of reputation always has a good payback. So, so you'll be able to, you know, generate leads or contacts or whatever, but you'll be known as a helpful, um, proficient expert in the field. And the other outcome is that you'll keep, you'll keep your edge sharp, like helping people out with, with problems that you might have solved a thousand times just makes you understand how these fundamentals are so important to your craft repeating and repeating and repeating those lessons over and over day in day out just keeps your mind sharp and and keeps you on on your top of your game when it comes to the skills that you use in your profession sure so sort of reciprocal element to that in terms of the fact that you when people are talking to you about what, what their problems are you're also learning at the same time that's the key thing and you might you might even learn new things about these fundamentals that you've gone over a thousand times when somebody comes up with a new and fresh problem. And within IT, I think that's just that's just really prominent because the the systems that we use um, and the and the technological leaps that computers and browsers take and devices take just introduce new complexities to problems you think you've already kind of solved. So you'll find that the same problem that you've been facing for two years suddenly gets a whole new approach. When, for example, um, a new computing system or a new device type emerges on the market um, that just handles that problem quite differently. Samir, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? It, it wasn't a specific moment, but it was a buildup. Um, I worked at a digital marketing agency and I was a consultant in digital marketing, working with analytics, yes, but also with things like search engine optimization and, and um, helping clients build marketing campaigns. And this was at the beginning of my, if you want to call it a public career. So beginning of before I had started entering the speaking circuit and blogging, um, and I felt like I had to just get a lot of experience under my belt. And I just found that I started compromising my own personal values in my haste to build up experience. So at one point, I just noticed that the last five clients I've worked with have been in the payday loan industries or alternative medicine or whatever, these kinds of things that I personally am extremely ambivalent about and, and can't even say that I, I completely dislike. But I had chosen to work with these clients because they had interesting problems to solve or maybe they could improve my uh, reputation in these circles as a consultant. 
And I thought, I think that when I look back at this time, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed about it, but I'm also really sad that I made those compromises. I, I, because I certainly didn't need to do them. In hindsight, they were in no way instrumental to my, my career. I, I didn't gain anything from them that I wouldn't have gained from more reputable clients. So I think in this case, you know, choosing profit or choosing, you know, lead generation or choosing building a network over your own personal values was the worst thing I could do for my career. And after that, after, you know, suffering with those decisions, I decided that I will, if, if it's, if it ever comes to that decision again, I will always choose my personal values first, even if it gives me worse short time benefits in a way. Yeah. Do you, do you feel you compromised your, your personal values at the time, or is it now in retrospect that your values may have changed slightly? I think I did realize that what I'm, these clients I'm working with are just, you know, not, not the products. I don't believe in the products. Uh, but the problem with digital marketing is that you don't need to believe in the products because it, it can be totally tactic based. So, you know, you can, you can build an efficient and an effective campaign for the worst product in the world just by manipulating these um, tactics and, and optimizing bids and whatever for search marketing. So the problem was that I, I did realize that something was wrong because it was especially difficult to build campaigns for these products. But at the time, I just considered it to be a wonderful challenge. Like, how do I turn this horrible piece of lies into a, a successful product just by using tactics? So I, I was kind of infatuated with this, with these tools that I was using, and I didn't really realize that I was working with these bad actors and and on a very you know shady side of the ethical dilemma or the ethical discussion so i'm i'm in retrospect it's been far more impactful than it was at the time okay so moving away from your worst moment can you take us to or describe your career highlight so far the highlight was deciding to stop being an employee and becoming an entrepreneur this happened um, one and a half years ago and I had, a, I had a wonderful job at one of the best Finnish um, technology companies, Reactor. Uh, um, I, was a, I was a very happy employee. Um, I had wonderful clients, a really great platform to learn new things and to continue my blogging. But at the same time, I was constantly kind of, something was nagging in the back of my mind is, I, I don't really have to do this work for anyone. I don't, I, there's no reason why I'm an employee. There's no reason why I'm putting in these hours for an employer when I could just I have the network, I have the connections, I have the clients that like what I do. So just deciding to take the plunge to entrepreneurship was, again, in retrospect, at the time I was, I was scared out of my pants. <laughs> but um, now that I look back on it, it's been the best journey that I could have taken. And, and finding a couple of friends at 8 who were also in the same position was just, uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful 18 months now. Um, but it also, it took years of work building this network and reputation. Yeah. So, um, obviously I couldn't have done it from day one, but I had to, I had to get to a point where I could start without any kind of financial risk by bootstrapping my own work. And, and the best thing about this whole thing was that I, I, I started as an entrepreneur, but I was also able to downshift. I actually cut down on a lot of work, giving me more time to focus on my own hobbies and my family and um, and my own content creation and my open source efforts. So it's it's just been a win-win situation for me. Was there a particular moment where you sort of realized or that sort of realization occurred that you could actually do this on your own and break out and, as you say, work as an entrepreneur? Or did that sort of happen over time? I think it happened really fast. I think it happened at the very start 
when I discussed with a couple of my of clients I had been working with and obviously discussed with Reactor as well. And these clients agreed to join me when I when I go out on my own. So um, being able to secure those contracts and these two clients actually secured my financial base level for the following six months. So for the first six months of my entrepreneurship, I had I was financially secure. I didn't have to find aggressively find new clients or new projects. So I could I could relax and kind of enjoy the fact that I'm I'm able to pay my own salary and I'm able to build up some capital in, in my company account at the same time. I like to say I was very fortunate, but again, it did take a lot of work and effort to get to that point. But being able to secure those contracts was was fundamental to feeling because I, I'm a very I get very nervous if I don't have if I can't look you know six months in the future and see stability there. I'm, I'm not one of those people who enjoy just riding the wave and doesn't don't worry about where the next paycheck is coming from or where to send the next invoice. Do I have to have like a meticulous financial plan in place? So being able to get that going was was fundamental to this. Um, Simo, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? I think it's just the constantly surmounting technological challenges we have in in front of us everything to do from you know quantum computing to internet of things to ar and vr and electric cars and autonomous vehicles and ai and all this constantly developing blue ocean that we have in front of us and all these possibilities and challenges that that we are facing from a global point of view we're looking at some you know catastrophic problems in the future with climate change and um immigration and and just the failing idea of a, of a global nation state or, or of nation states and, and just trying to figure out how to work in this new world where people are have to, are forced to move between from their homes and, and trying to figure out what to do with climate change and I think that the thing that excites me is that we have the potential to solve these with computation and with technology but we haven't yet figured out an efficient way to do that so in that, in that way, I think that currently a career in IT means that you're actually actively, you could actively and proactively take part in solving some of the biggest problems the world is facing. But there's also, from a very personal point of view in, in, in the sphere of the work that I do with data, it's just trying to figure out how to solve the problem of, of data collection, responsible data collection, ethical data collection when it comes to the user. So working with data subject laws such as GDPR and now the CCPA coming up in, in the US, just figuring out how do we solve the paradox of being able to collect data from users with their consent, but at the same time trying to do that data collection in a way that the user is not mindful of it. It's a very exciting time. It's also a very scary time because many of these things that are happening, especially in, in data and analytics, are are completely disruptive to the things that we've been working on. Um, advertising and marketing technologies are are tumultuous shift now since since these legal frameworks have extended to to kind of reduce the possibilities that can be done with data exploitation, which is a very good thing indeed. But it does force us to rethink our whole approach to data and analytics. It does. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens with that. So, yeah, GDPR has certainly had a, a definite impact in terms of way data is collected from a marketing, as you say, perspective. So, yes, it'll be interesting to see how that, that progresses. Yeah, and at, the, and at the same time, we have these um, 
the web browsers that we use are actively doing their own work for user privacy as well. So many of the things that are coming up in Safari and, and Firefox and, and Microsoft Edge are all designed in some way to protect the user. And for a, a person working in these fields, it becomes very, it gets very difficult because not all of these things that the browsers are doing, not all of them have a legal framework at its at their basis. So there might actually be orthogonal to what what GDPR might be doing, or it might be completely unrelated to that. So not only do we have to worry about the legal frameworks, we also have to worry about the technological limitations that we're facing. It's a very interesting time to be working in in data and analytics at the moment. I'll put it like that. Okay. Right. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Yes, I am. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? The opportunity to turn my hobby into a profession and see if that makes any sense. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? This was from somebody I wasn't actually working for or I've never worked for, but it was a a professor at the university I was studying in um, who said that as soon as you feel like you can't learn anything new in your current position or company, quit your job or rotate. The learning plateau is should be for anyone one of the most significant signals that now something is wrong. Not being able to learn anything new is is my worst nightmare. Yes, no, that's a very good point. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? So the, <laughs> this this was from somebody I worked for, um, and after they said this, I didn't work for them for a long, <laughs> very <laughs> right. soon afterwards. So they said that um, work hard. Maybe in five years' time, you'll be promoted to management. There was so many problems with this statement. Work hard um, for the first thing. You know, don't work hard, work efficiently. Five years' time, I don't make plans that far far into the future. And promoted to management, I do not want to be promoted to management. So everything about this statement was was totally off the mark. (laughs) If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I think I would start building towards entrepreneurship faster. I think I tread water for too long before taking the plunge. And the other thing, like a very specific thing, that I would start working with the cloud uh, much sooner. Um, so I, I, I'm, a, I'm a recent convert, like let's say maybe the last three or four years I've been working actively with cloud computing, but I, I should have started way sooner so that I, I would have a head start. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? I think my career objectives have never changed. So I'm, this has to do with the learning thing. So I'm, I'm just constantly trying to improve my skills to be more efficient in problem solving. Um, and that's always been my biggest career objective is to just get better at what I already know and just try to uncover new things um, that I don't know enough about yet and get better at those then. So I don't have a career ladder in mind. I don't have wealth or accumulation of capital in mind. I just really want to become more skilled. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Uh, this is very easy. It's it's definitely blogging. Um, so I would I would say that my blog and the and the work that I've put into that has opened me um, a thousandfold times more doors than anything I've actually done in my career or in my profession. I attribute ninety five percent of my success or my my current career success and my current career trajectory to my blog. And how long has the blog been running? I published the first articles in early 2013, so it's it's six years now. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? 
I think for me, the most important thing is to make sure everything that has nothing to do with my career is not suffering because of my career. <laughs> so having a healthy um, life, uh, a happy family, having good hobbies, having good extracurricular activities, having friends, all of those things, when I have all of those things working for me, I notice that it, it has an, an amazing um, impact on my work ethic and my my energy levels and my career trajectory as well. Well, that leads nicely into the next question. So what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I play board games. Um, I have a, I love those. I play them with my, with my brother and a group of friends. Um, I enjoy the company of my family immensely. I can't wait to go and pick up my son from kindergarten every day. I cook food. I, I play some music. I play guitar, the ukulele. Um, I read a lot of books, watch movies with my wife, all the, all the usual stuff that that a family man with a job seems to do. Simo, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? If you're working with a product or a service that has global reach, um, be active in the community of that product or service. If you're not working with one of those, you're certainly using a tool or, or using something, even if it's Microsoft Excel or, or Google Sheets or whatever, just find a community for that and start looking for places where you can help others who are having issues that you've already solved and participate in those discussions because the it, it will always pay you back royally. You'll be able to accumulate um, new skills, you'll be able to improve your current skills, and you'll be able to gain a reputation as an you know all-around helpful person, uh, which might lead to actual business profits in the future. But even if it doesn't, you're still paying something back because almost for certain some of the things you've learned in IT you've learned from people who have volunteered their time so you might try that as well and finally what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you well there's always my blog so if you're even even remotely interested in in the intersection of web development and data and analytics my blog is simoahava.com um, i'm very active on twitter my handle is simoahava and on Twitter, especially, I share a lot of news and tips around analytics. But as of late, I also uh, do a lot of work around uh, web browsers and how web browsers are employing these tracking protection mechanisms um, that try to solve the problem of misaligned user data collection. So I also have a website that I created a while ago called Cookie Status. So cookiestatus.com which has is a free knowledge sharing resource for anybody who wants to learn more about how web browsers are limiting what advertising and, and analytics trackers can do on any given website. Simo, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you, Phil. It was, it was my pleasure. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.